Hi, and welcome to Five Compelling Questions with Sean. This is the podcast where we speak with writers um, at different parts, different spots in their career about writing. Um, sometimes people are new to writing, sometimes people have been around for a long time, and we kind of have um, a hybrid of that, I would guess, I would say, in my guest today. I am th beyond thrilled to have Iris Yamashita here with me today. How are you doing, Iris? Good. Thank you for having me here. I'm, I'm, I just can't believe you're here. I'm thrilled. So I'm going to do an introduction um, so to let everyone else know why I'm so excited that you're here. <laughs> uh, Iris was born in Missouri, raised in Hawaii, and having lived in Guam, California, and Japan, uh, she was able to experience a diversity of culture while growing up. Uh, she studied engineering at UC San Diego and UC Berkeley, um, so I'm already feeling way, uh, way less um, smart than you. <laughs> I also spent a year at University of Tokyo studying virtual reality. Definitely. I'm, I'm having a hard time with regular reality, much less virtual reality. <laughs> um, her first love, however, has always been fiction uh, writing, which she pursued as a hobby on the side. Um, she submitted her first screenplay to a competition where she was discovered by an agent. Um, and then you end up you ended up working with uh, Clint Eastwood. You wrote um, you're one of the writers of letters, um, letters, Letters from Iwo Jima, correct? That's the title. I kept saying That's letters correct. to. I know it's not to, and I kept in my head kept saying letters to. No, it's letters from. Okay. So you wrote, you wrote, you were on the writing team of that. You wrote part of, how much of that did you write? Uh, I actually wrote all of it. I, I What I didn't know at the time is um, that uh, getting notes from a producer is a normal thing and that doesn't constitute story by, but um, uh, so I came up with the story and then I got notes and then I wrote the screenplay. You're the writer of that amazing movie <laughs> that went on to be celebrated and win a ton of awards and that's amazing. So that's why I'm like, I'm really nervous to talk to you. <laughs> I'm a huge movie fanatic and I've watched that movie and I loved it. Um, City Under One Roof is your debut uh, mystery novel. And it's set in a tiny Alaskan town where everyone lives in the single high-rise building. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, she can, Iris continues to work in Hollywood, developing for both film and streaming media, and has also dabbled in writing musical for Japanese theme park with Tony Award-winning composer Jeannie Tesori. She has taught screenwriting at the University of California, LA, and the, at the AFI. So that's really, really exciting. So City Under One Roof, can you tell us about that book? Yeah, uh, so this is my debut novel, and um, it's a mystery. Uh, it's about a female detective who's trying to solve a gruesome murder in a tiny Alaskan town. And the most interesting thing about the town is that everybody lives in a single high-rise building. And it's actually inspired by a real town in Alaska, um, and the only way into the city is uh, through a single lane tunnel. And of course, an avalanche causes, or a, a blizzard causes an avalanche, which closes the tunnel. And then this detective becomes stuck there and it's essentially a locked city mystery. And it seems like in this town, everyone, including the protagonist, Kara, has a secret motive for being there. And I tell it in three voices. So I have the investigator, Kara Kennedy, and then I have a young teenager. Her name is Amy Lynn, and she lives there. And her mother runs the Chinese restaurant there. 
And then the last uh, voice is her name is Lonnie Mercer, and she has a mental disability, which makes her talk in word salads. And she has a pet moose named Denny. Yes, it's quirky. There's lots of quirkiness going on, but in a not in a cutesy way. I mean, it's very it's it's interesting. And you know, and it reminded me. I love the 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 closed city sort of locked room mystery kind of thing, which is it's very Agatha Christie ish. Um, and Louise Penny, you know, in a lot of ways, because she is quirky, but very serious, but there's lots of quirkiness in her books too. But um, it's it's a great book. I loved it. Um, so I wanted to ask you, thank you, you're, you're welcome. I wanted to ask you about the setting because um, you said it was inspired by a real place. Uh, can you tell us what inspired the setting for this book? Yeah, um, I think I'd watched the documentary over 20 years ago because um, they didn't open up the uh, tunnel, the single lane tunnel that I mentioned to car traffic until 2000. And when I watched this documentary, it was still the only way in was by train. <laughs> and it was just very fascinating to me that um, it was it was very inaccessible at that time and that everyone was living in a single building. Um, it had originally been built as a military base. So it was kind of a secretive a secretive base. And um, there used to be two high rises where um, the military personnel lived. And um, then there was a huge earthquake that essentially destroyed the base. And uh, and the one building was uh, uninhabitable and it's still there. It's just a shell. And then the other one, um, they turned into resident uh, a resident condominium and that's where everybody lives today and it was just the setting was just I mean it, it felt like there could be a story there but it took me over 20 years to think of one when I was trying to come up with an idea for um, a series that maybe I could take to you know a streaming media like Netflix or Amazon or something like that. Ooh, and you've got connections. So we might be watching this very soon. That'll be fun. <laughs> That'll be fun. Um, very good. Well, that's, I liked, I liked hearing that explanation. I always, I always wonder about people that live in Alaska. Um, I, I have friends that live there. <laughs> I wonder like, wow, must really enjoy um, that kind of, you know, tundra. You know, I just couldn't imagine, but it is, it's also beautiful too. So yes, it is um, very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Can be beautiful. Very, very nice place. So um, next question. There is a Alice in Wonderland sort of vibe um, that going on. Um, what is it about that classic story that inspired, interested you or inspired? Is, it, is that a thing? Did you like, do you like oh, Alice in Wonderland? Uh, <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, that was kind of a jumping off point was um, actually when you drive through the tunnel, it's again, it's like a narrow tunnel and it's very craggy, kind of like a, you know, like a coal mine or something. And I kind of, I just felt like I was falling through a rabbit hole. And then on the other side of this, there would be a really strange wonderland full of odd and quirky characters. Yeah. And that made me think, oh, okay. Um, this is, there's sort of an Alice in Wonderland aspect to this. And my three characters, when I think of it in those terms, um, Kara, the the protagonist, uh, she's like the Alice who has dropped through the rabbit hole, and then the inhabitants are, you know, the the kind of uh, the characters of Wonderland. So, Amy Lynn, the teenager, 
um, she, in a sense, is like the white rabbit because Kara follows her for various clues, chases after her. Um, and then Lonnie Mercer, who wears a different colored beret every day, and she has the mental disability, is the um, Mad Hatter character. And I've peppered a lot of other characters in the story as well and made some you know wonderland references for anyone who is as geeky as i am and likes that kind of stuff finding those oh, yeah. easter eggs <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's what makes it fun that's what makes it really fun so well I, i'm glad you did that it's, it's it's well done and woven in really really nicely it's not in your it's not on the nose for sure um so i've always fascinated by you're an accomplished screenwriter you've you've done really well in one aspect of writing what made you want to sit down and write a novel next well you know my first love was actually um writing novels so uh when I was minoring in writing that was what I was striving for was actually I thought I was going to write a novel one day um but my problem was that I could never actually finish a novel I don't think I had the right kind of outlining and discipline skills um, that I've picked up through screenwriting. So, but when I was in um, Los Angeles, you know, everybody in Los Angeles is writing a screenplay. <laughs> so <laughs> you, so I thought mm, maybe I should give that a try. So I was taking night classes after my work. Um, so first I was taking classes in writing novels, and then I switched over to um, taking classes in screenwriting. And I found that uh, writing a screenplay is much faster because there's, you know, you only have about like 100 pages or so to write a film and there's a lot of white space. So <laughs> I I finally was able to finish something. And um, so I switched over because I found this was, you know, a medium that was um, much easier to 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 actually get a, you know, get a finished product. It doesn't it's not like years writing a book which this book did take years so <laughs> yeah yeah you're so funny you're like I'll just dash off a screenplay and no that's no that's so easy I think a lot of people that write novels would think that it might be a heart you know to kind of pare yourself down and just writing in a whole different sort of way you know a whole different sort of aspects you know you're not you have to think about what everyone is saying all the time where they're standing that kind of thing you don't really worry about that too much in a novel I mean you do to some to, you know what I mean it's just a different discipline yeah, it's a different discipline. But um, as I said, I was taking classes. So I don't kind of recommend people to just jump off and, and just write a screenplay because they think they can. I did take um, years of learning the craft of screenwriting and the format. And um, and that and, and that really did help me uh, constructing story in general as well, because there is sort of there is, you know, there is a guideline, there's a there's a three act structure. Um, and they do, you know, give you a lot of insight into um, doing character arcs and, you know, how to up the uh, action and things, you know, there's all these tools that really did help me um, when I finally went back to to writing a novel. Yeah. Do you find, did you find that um, I always, cause I write short stories and also write novels and I always say it's like cross training. So when you go from one to the other, it's, I think it strengthens both. You know what I mean? Like, I think it helps your, it informs each side that you go back to. And it, I think it makes you stronger. The more different time, the more different ways you write that makes you stronger, no matter which ones you're doing, you know? Yeah. I, and it's, um and it's fun. Uh, they are very different 
um, it's it's just fun to be able to express in different formats. Like I, I as you were reading in in my bio, that I also did um, a stage show, which again was very different, and it was really fun learning. Um, you know things like. Uh, what's the pre-show? How are you going to interact with the audience? And things that I had never thought about when you're, you know, doing a screenplay or or a novel. So, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the different um, forms of expression. Yeah, your face lights up when you talk about um, your teaching and your, you know, just the work that you do. And you can tell that you're real passionate about it. And I think the, the most passionate of us would lo love to teach and mentor and collaborate with other creatives and stuff. Um, so as part of your creative process, do you have a critique group that you send pages to to get feedback on things? Like how do you work, do you work apart from your teaching? Do you collaborate in that way? Yes, I um, I mentioned them in my acknowledgements, but I do have a group that um, we haven't met recently because of the holidays and everything, but um we it, it for for me it's not only uh passing my pages through for critiques which we do do and it's very very helpful for me especially um since these writers are all at a high level and they give you very good notes um but it's also my therapy group <laughs> so <laughs> we kind of spend at least half an hour just like talking about anything and if you know <laughs> we want to complain about anything, we can do that too so it's um it's it's good mental therapy because you know when you're when you're writing a lot of times it feels very isolated because you know you're you're working alone um it's not like I go to an office every day and interact with a lot of people so this uh this writing group is is that, you know, it's the interaction with other humans and, you know, being able to whatever complain or listen to other people's complaints or whatever, but, you know, but, but of course there's that camaraderie and, um, you know, being, having sort of the same creative goals. So it's, it's really nice. I, I recommend people to have a writer's group if they can. Of course, it's hard to find someone, oh, sorry, but it's always hard to find people um, at your level, which I think is key. Yeah. What it, What do you mean by that? Like at different stages of career or um, that they like the same kind of stuff you like to read? What do you mean by peer? Specific, um, I mean, not specifically, it's, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, you don't want to have someone, well, at least it, you know, it depends where you are in your career. If you're starting out, then maybe you want to have a lot of writers who are starting out. But if you've, um, you know, you've had something published or what have you, then it's, it's nicer to have people who have um, also had something published or produced or something. And that's what my, my group is, is that we're all, um, we have all kind of uh, gone down a road so we're we're savvy enough <laughs> yeah well you've been, we know you've what been, the roadblocks are yeah yeah you've been through the pitfalls and the the yays and the hoorays and the not the bad stuff too but I mean yeah it, it makes sense what you say you should you know equal playing field kind of career that's good yeah it's good that you are open enough to share your work with other people and wait for that feedback because that's not always the most fun thing you know 
Yeah, I mean, we don't do homework. We we basically we um we just bring our pages in and we read them aloud, and it's great because I have there's a number of actors in in my group as well, so you can hear you know uh, when when we're workshopping screenplays, they just read the parts, so that's always fun. Um, for a novel, it's different. It's you know we just read pages, but that's always fun to have actors in your group. <laughs> Oh yeah. Now I'm picturing you in a room with, you know, Bradley Cooper reading screen readings for us uh, together. No. Like, <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> Someone like that. <laughs> All right. Your last official fifth question. What is the best piece of advice you can give to perhaps your students or an aspiring someone that's just starting out what would be the best advice? You just gave us some really good advice about getting a writing group. Do you have any other um, words of encouragement for someone starting on this path? Um, I kind of, I remember how my, uh, when I was back in my engineering days, I had a professor who was very kind and very encouraging of writing of all formats, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. But he told me a story that I still kind of remember, which is um, that he had write, he had written a scientific paper to submit to a journal and you know it's the same process you write your um, paper and then you send them to various journals and you get rejections just like you do in writing fiction and so what he had told me was that he had written two papers and he sent paper a to a journal journal a and he'd written another paper paper b to journal b and they both got rejected and um, he he got notes from them, you know, just like you get notes. Well, sometimes if, if they're kind enough um, places, uh, journals will send you notes. So he got notes on how to fix his paper. And he thought, okay, um, I'm going to have to redo the experiments and I'll do, you know, what they say. And he kind of sat on it, though, and he didn't do it. And then what he did, he, he just sent paper B to journal A and paper A to journal B and they both got accepted. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of, in a way, subjectivity. So don't be um, discouraged by rejections because you will, you will get rejections. You'll get a lot of rejections and um, it doesn't mean, you know, that you're a bad writer. It just could mean that you uh, need to find um a different outlet or, you know, take the notes and, and work on it and it'll be better. You know, it's, so that, that's my, um, that's the, the little story that I had from my <laughs> engineering professor that I sometimes tell my writing students. Yeah. That's great advice though. And it's so true. And that's a really great example because, you know, it just, it will be right for the right person at the right time, eventually, you know, like you just have to, you know, find that, like you say, find the right avenue, find the right outlet for your work. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's not, you need to work on it first and take that feedback and incorporate it. But yeah, sometimes, you know, short stories that don't get accepted in, into an anthology will eventually get accepted into a magazine just because they're, it was more appropriate for that outlet, you know, so very good. You must be a great teacher. Every, your, students, <laughs> your students must love you. <laughs> All right. Well, those were the five official questions. These, um, we always do a rapid fire quiz at the end. Five real okay. quick ones. You ready? Okay. Number one, summer or winter? I like winter I think, because I get very lazy when it's hot. <laughs> so, I, 
think cold air helps me get energized a little more. Yeah, yeah, it does keep you, keep you moving. It does keep you, <laughs> no one's laying on the beach, you know, in Alaska, for example. Um, yeah. so number two, sweet or savory? Well, that's tough because uh, I, I have to have my chocolate. So maybe I'll say sweet. <laughs> Okay, you can change it to savory tomorrow. You don't have to. Okay. You can cheat. There's oh, cheating is encouraged on the quiz. By the way, you can okay, all the whole their whole way through it. Okay, comedy or drama? I would say drama, because I watch more dramas. Comedy is a little bit harder. I I really admire people who can write good comedy, but I think it's very difficult. Like you know, to appease everybody in comedy. So in generally. Uh, drama yeah I think you're right I think it is really hard to be funny you know it's hard it falls flat so often you know but sometimes they really nail it you know but good well I assume drama because you're so good you're such a good drama writer but I I just love this quiz I get to learn so much about all you guys (laughs) it's so so silly but you you would be surprised what people have come up with Um, early bird or night owl you know I used to be a night owl but as I got older I'm an early bird (laughs) It changes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Now I get sleepy, you know, like at eight or nine. <laughs> yeah. People are like, hey, we're gonna you want to go out to dinner at eight? I'm like, what is this a rave? I'm not going, I'm not going to dinner at eight o'clock. What do you mean? I used to like go out to have drinks at 10 o'clock and I'm like, that's insane. That's insane. No, yeah. Now as I get older, I'm like, no, I just want to stay home. So I guess I'm an early bird now. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to go to bed. Used to be my favorite thing to stay up all night. I'm like, I just want to go to bed. Is it too early to go to bed? <laughs> um, coffee or tea? Coffee. Um, although I can only have it in the morning, but I need it in the morning. I don't always need the tea, but I, I think I need the coffee in the morning. Same. I'm the same. Yeah. But I can't have any afternoon or I'll be up all night. We all yes. we just determined that I want to go to sleep all the time. So Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, you are lovely. It was so fun to meet you and to talk to you. What is going on next? Are you going on tour? Are you writing more movies? Where can we see you? What's going to happen? Well, I am almost finished writing the first draft of book two. So Yay. hopefully we'll see the book two. But I, I I, do still have my foot in the door in Hollywood and working on uh, a few projects. But, you know, it's it's always a roll of the dice with Hollywood. So who knows if you'll be able to see any of them. I hope so. Um, but definitely the book you will, you will see book two. Great. Well, we'll look forward to that. Um, everyone needs to rush out and get city under one roof. It's such a unique, different, fun, great read. So it's, it's, it's just, that's why I liked it so much. It was just different. It's this, it's, it's, you know, it's the mystery that we're, we're used to, but it's a different, you just, it's a really fresh perspective, I think. And I really loved it. So Good Thank luck. You so much. You're welcome. Good luck with everything. Um, again, it was a joy to meet you, and I hope you um, have all the success in the world with this book and the next one. And hopefully, we'll see you again soon on the show. Thank you so much. <laughs> this was so much fun. Good. Great oh, thanks. You too. Oh, great. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Thank you.